You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tagan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. We cover a variety of topics that will help you be more confident and successful in the field while hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We've got a really interesting episode for you today. Uh, If you've been paying any attention at all to social media lately, you have certainly come across Mike Yoder of Drone Deer Recovery. If you're not familiar with it yet, Mike has launched a new business locating wounded deer with the use of a drone. Now, this is obviously a controversial topic. Anytime you introduce new technology to hunting, there is an avalanche of ethical questions that follow. And, you know, that's how things work. Ethics always lag behind technology in pretty much every sector of life. I want you to keep an open mind as you listen to this episode. Maybe you think it's a horrible idea or it's a slippery slope to start allowing drones for deer recovery, and that's okay. Uh, Listen to what Mike has to say. Inform yourself so that whatever your opinion is, I will say this. I think that what Mike is doing right now, uh, he's going about it the right way. There's no question in my mind, after talking with him and, and hearing sort of the personal boundaries that he's placed on himself, he's using his drone in an ethical way. Now, that does not mean that all drones forever will be used in the right way in the recovery of deer. What it does mean is that for right now, this guy's doing it the right way, so I think he's worth listening to. At the end of the day, I think more wounded deer recovered is a good thing. It's a good thing for deer hunting. In general, it's a good thing for hunters. In this episode, we're going to talk about the ethics of using drones to recover deer, how Mike got into doing this, what he's learning about how wounded deer act, and some of the benefits of using a drone over a dog. At the end of the day, a drone for deer recovery is just one more tool, and I believe it's likely here to stay. So stick around for this conversation. 
A couple of things before we get into the conversation with Mike. First, be sure to follow along with me on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer or at the Wisconsin Sportsman. That's the best way to get a hold of me. I'm looking forward to getting into some postseason scouting and work and sharing that on my social media pages here coming up. Go subscribe to this podcast wherever you usually get it. If you would, leave me a review. Uh, if you can write a written review, that is even better. New subscribers and new reviews really make the algorithms happy, which means more folks find the content that we're pushing out, which makes me really, really happy. One more thing that you can do. As you're listening to this episode, if you dig it, take a screenshot on your phone, post it on Instagram, tag me in it. I'll share that, and that lets me know folks are finding this podcast useful. Now, one thing I would love to do here during the offseason as hunting season begins to wind down, at least for the northern portion of the country, is share some of your stories. This podcast is all about learning to be better deer hunters, and we can all learn from each other's experiences, successes, failures, whatever it may be in the woods. So if you've had a successful season and want to share the story, or if you consider your season a massive flop and want to share the story of what happened, reach out to me. I'd love to have you on the show and learn more from you and your experiences chasing these animals that we all love. Now it is time to highlight our partners. Christmas is right around the corner. Folks want to get you stuff. You want to buy stuff for others. Perhaps you want to treat yourself. Well, check out our partners. They've got some awesome deals going on right now. First of all, Tacticam, you've heard me brag on these cameras, so I'm not going to do that here today. Right now, though, they've got their 12 days of Christmas deals going on, and holy smokes, these discounts are steep like 50 plus percent off kind of steep you can get a 5.0 and a 5.0 wide camera which you guys know that i love i've been using them since turkey season last year they've been fantastic for me you can get both of those cameras for just 99 dollars. that's 50 percent off that is an absolute steal for those cameras you're gonna get 4k footage with those so uh, show me another camera that gives you 4k footage for 99 bucks uh probably not going to happen you can also get the remote for just $25, and I think you can run up to like seven cameras with one remote, so that's a sweet deal. They've got their Spotter LR on sale right now for just $150, or if you want the latest and greatest, you can get free shipping right now on a purchase of a 6.0 camera. These things are all awesome Christmas gifts, great stocking stuffers, so go check them all out, Tacticam.com. Next up, Huntworth. They've got a site-wide 20% off deal going on right now. It's late season. It's cold. Grab your loved ones some of their heat boost gear. Uh, they've also got a snow camo pattern that looks really, really good. Uh, here in Georgia, I'm not going to be using snow gear anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, man, their snow pattern looks great. If you're looking for some good things for the stocking, they've got all kinds of neck gaiters and gloves and hats and all the little accessories that can get overlooked. Huntworth does those really, really well. So head over to their website right now to see their full lineup of products and use the code HLDY, all caps, 20 for 20% off. Next up, Deer Lab. This software allows you to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data in one place. It's getting to be that time when we want to take inventory on our properties of what bucks are left, who lived through the season, who made it through the firearm season. You want to get ready and track them into the next year. Well, Deer Lab can help you do that with ease. Go to their website, DeerLab.com, where you can get your 30-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to purchase, you can use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, for 20% off. And last but not least, the Onyx Hunt app. In my mind, this is a no-brainer kind of gift. It's easy to give. Even if your loved ones already have a membership, you can gift them an upgrade to the Elite membership, which gives them landowner info and lots of helpful tools and other layers for all 50 states. It's time to start planning your postseason scouting. 
Time to start scouting out new locations and new properties, and even start planning those out-of-state trips for next fall. Onyx is going to make all of that a ton easier. You can learn more at their website, onyxmaps.com, or you can search for them on your favorite app store. Now here's my conversation with Mike Yoder from Drone Deer Recovery. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast is Mike Yoder from Drone Deer Recovery. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad, uh, glad you can make the time to come on. You've been, uh, you've been grinding, man. Tell me about uh, about the recovery business and and uh, you're looks like you're burning the candle at both ends. No, yeah, yep. It's been a grind. Um, I went in the service side of things and also just trying to get around and doing these interviews with people because I I want to do all I can um, because of how new it is and um, how interesting it is. So. If somebody asks me, I'm usually up to doing it. It's just got to find the schedule to be available. For sure. For sure. Well, I appreciate you making the time. I, I saw your stuff a couple of weeks ago and I thought, man, I'm going to reach out to that guy right after Thanksgiving. And I hadn't seen you on another podcast yet. And then basically as soon as I, I was getting ready to reach out, I was like, oh my goodness, he's been on all of them by now. Uh, so that's happened really quick, <laughs> man. I, I, I can't imagine what that interview schedule has been like for you. Yeah, it's been, uh, I think I've done at least one every week for the last uh, four or five weeks. Golly, that is crazy. That is crazy. Well, man, what you're doing is is incredible. Your social media stuff is awesome. The whole concept, though, of recovering deer with the use of drones is just so far different than anything else that I think we're seeing these days, and it brings in a little bit of an element of controversy, so... Man, I, I don't think this train's going to yep. slow down for you anytime soon. Yeah, no, it's it's just going to grow bigger and wilder is is what I see right now with the amount of interest that's in this. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people that really like it, and then there's people that don't like it. So that's why it's growing the way it is. I think is because, like you said, there's there's potential to be some controversy in it, but. We do it professionally. We aren't here to uh, do anything illegal or cheat in any way. My my whole thing with doing this is to help the community, and um, that's it. If if you want me to do something that's shady, don't expect me to do it. I uh, I make good money in other things, so I don't need to do this for the money. Yeah, man, and that's I've heard you kind of allude to that before, and that's one of the things that I've really appreciated there's an ethical gray area that I want to get into a little bit later in the show, but I feel like you have walked that line really, really well. So let's, let's jump in just by talking a little bit about your, your background and how you got into this. Like, like why drone deer recovery? Um, well, I've, uh, I mean, I'm a private pilot myself, so I've been, you know, flying myself across the country doing other things. And then I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, one day. He's a roofer, and he said he uses you know thermal drones to do some roof inspections at times. And I told him that I've thought about getting a thermal drone to look for deer, um, you know, if, if you hit him. And he's like, I think it's a good idea. So I started out with a small, cheaper one, about seventy five hundred bucks, just to see what it looks like. I thought I'd get away with that, and. Uh, bought that drone, made a video, went to an outdoor show and the feedback from the outdoorsman was just nuts. So I was like, okay, I'm going all in, you know, stepped up on the drone, invested a lot more money 
sat back, came up with a, um, uh, basically a brand because I wanted to market the brand and built the brand and then went public with it. And yeah, so I, I say I got into looking for, um, you know, wounded deer with drones because I was a pilot and it was easy to get my drone license. And that's how I started. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that first drone. I've heard you say, you know, you got in cheap and, uh, it, it, it did not work out for you very well as far as, uh, the, the usefulness of that specific drone. So walk me through, what do you mean by cheap and what were some of the shortfalls or the shortcomings of that drone? Yeah. So, um, if you go cheap, that's what you're going to get. Uh, the drone works for certain scenarios, but it doesn't work for everything. And, uh, you know, I want it to do this as a business. If I use that small drone and somebody calls me when it's, uh, misting out or it's raining, I'm going to have to tell them I can't, I can't fly because the drone's not able to fly in rain. Um, another thing is the zoom lens on those small drones is just not good enough to, uh, be up high enough to not, uh, disturb game or, uh, that type of thing. And you can't get zoomed in on them good enough to see if that's, if that's the actual buck that you hit. Um, so that, that doesn't work. And then night flying, the drone can fly at night, those cheaper drones, but if you have to have a light on your drone and have a, a beacon, it's just not big enough to do it all. So you got to get even closer to the game at uh, night and it just doesn't work. So uh, trust me, if, if somebody wants to use it for personal, it, it might be okay. But when somebody is paying you hundreds of dollars to, you know, find their deer and you're kind of, on the fence if this is a deer or not because your zoom isn't good enough or your drone isn't capable, it's not going to work. Yeah. So tell me about the drone that you made the, the switch to. I mean, like when I, when I first saw this, I was, I was curious. I was like, man, I wonder what, what a drone like this would cost. And this is, this is way more <laughs> than I anticipated. Yeah. Just the drone, the batteries, charger, uh, that, that's just the drone side of things, not with the light and, what you need to fly at night, you're almost 21,000. Wow. Holy smokes. Dude, that, that is crazy. And I, yep. I saw recently where you had a little bit of a drone crash. So tell me, how did that go down? Yeah. So that was, uh, one of my pilot pilots was flying for me. Um, and he went through his checklist and looked at everything and just overlooked the light portion. Um, it, it, it kind of slides into a rail on top of the drone and he slid it in the rail, but the one side of the light was on top of the rail instead of uh, underneath the rail. And it felt like he was locked in, but when he, you know, took off and the aircraft, if the aircraft was going forward and to the right, it stayed on there. But as soon as the aircraft yawed to the left, that uh, light slid off to the right and then hit a prop and when the prop got hit, the um, aircraft comes out of balance, and down she went. Oh, man. So that, I mean, dude, that's got to be, like, gut-wrenching for you to watch. Yeah, for me, you know, obviously we were making content, and we, we want to try to entertain people. Um, I don't want to see drones go down, but when that video comes out, I'm sure it's going to do okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine that one's going to get, uh, that one's going to get a, a lot of clicks. So do you do your own repairs then when it comes to a drone that goes down or, uh, do you have to ship it out? No, I have a guy that, uh, yeah, I have a guy that is not 
too far from our uh, home base um, is able to get the things repaired. This guy is legit. He got me back in the air um, with another drone, but with my drone, he got me up in four days. Oh, wow. Okay. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. Let's yep. let's talk a little bit yep. about the recovery side of things. And I immediately, so I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about my background as far as hunting goes. I have had, uh, I've had bad buck fever since I can remember. Um, so I've had several instances where I pull the bow back, I try to start settling the pin, and I just black out and I wake up and the arrow's gone and I don't know where the deer went. Um, so I've had several yeah. track jobs that have not gone my way. Um, had to call out a dog on multiple occasions. I've lost some deer in the past and really messes with my confidence. So when I saw this immediately, I was like, man, that is so cool because dogs can be hit or miss, right? Like you can get a dog on a, on a, a good dog on a bad day and you're going to have a really tough time recovering that deer. Tell me a little bit about the benefits of using a drone as opposed to a dog. I mean, I know a dog is a, it's a good tool. And it, it doesn't mean that there's not a place for dogs, but I do think there are some glaring benefits to the drone. What have you seen? Oh, yeah. I mean, first off, we can just start with you won't have to um, bust out other deer on your property uh, if you're on a trail. If the dog is, you know, on a trail, you're going to have that scent going through your your um, woods. If you want to hunt the next day, it might not be as good as it would if you're using the drone because obviously you're not going to uh, bust deer out. Um, if the deer is still alive is a huge benefit because you won't jump the deer. I, uh, I've looked for a deer that a guy had a dog on him 26 hours after shot and the deer was not dead and it, it up and jumped on him and I've never seen the deer since. If I would have had the drone there, uh, the day he had the dog there, I could have told him like, not, you know, don't go after this deer because he's alive and you can see all that from the drone. Yeah, man, that, that is huge. That is huge. And another thing, so um, I've talked with a couple of trackers, dog trackers, and one of the things that they say is like, hey, when somebody calls me, I'm going to run them through, you know, kind of a, a, a list of questions basically about, you know, I want to know what the hit was like and all of that. And there are some deer that they mm-hmm. just won't pursue. Like they won't go after it. If they think the odds of actually recovering that deer are really, really low they're not going to get in there with their dog and get after it. But I've heard you say you pursue every deer that's within your range. Is that right? Uh, I tried to pursue every deer. I mean, obviously I've been so busy, uh, you know, certain nights that I just can't, but it's the, the thing is, is the data, the information that you're getting uh, when I come out to look for your deer, like they're like, well, you know, it, I just want to look in this big CRP field. Like, um, I want to make sure he's not in there. It it gives them a peace of mind that if the deer is not there, it's like, okay, I looked at that CRP field. So he's not in there where if the dog guys like, you know, we can stomp out this CRP field. So, you know, he's not in there. Uh, it it wouldn't make sense to do that with a dog because it's like, you're going to, you know, you're going to go through that CRP and blow everything out where if, if a guy really, you know, wants to see into that CRP field, okay, let's look, it's not there. Now he has uh, a little bit of peace of mind that he knows it's not in that CRP field. Yeah. And that's huge, especially for, you know, those questionable shots where you, 
you really think you don't have a high chance of recovering the deer. Maybe you think the shot wasn't lethal, uh, but you're right. It is nice to have that peace of mind. Like, okay, I've, I've done what I can. I didn't find good blood. I checked the most likely bedding. That deer's probably, uh, probably going to be okay. I imagine with something like this that's yeah. so new, you've probably got a lot of guys that say, you know, can you guarantee you're going to get me my deer? If I call you out here, I pay the money to get you out. Are you going to guarantee uh, a recovery or at least guarantee finding the deer? Walk us through kind of how you handle that question. Well, there's definitely no guarantee that I'm going to find your deer. Um, because nobody can, not even the dog guy can guarantee if you right. find their deer or not. Right. But basically, you know, they're going to call me and tell me uh, what they know uh, or what they think they know. And um, basically it starts with, did you track the deer? How far did you track him? Did you jump him? Did, um, what type of broadhead was it expandable? Did you... Uh, was it quartering two broadside, that type of thing, just so I can get this information for myself and kind of keep record of it so I can uh, figure out, you know, in the future, if somebody calls me with those types of questions, I can then give them my opinion. I've looked for these types of deer. Um, there's times where we found them, times where we don't or haven't. Is this something you still want us to do? Um, so, yeah, I, I basically probably have somewhat the same questions as a dog guy would just so I can start keeping um, record of it. But after that, we, um, we kind of look at an aerial map and determine where they tracked them. And we kind of go over into that area with the drone, start looking around. I, I go to where the hunter wants me to go because he's, you know, he knows his land better than I do. And if he has certain areas, certain draws and stuff that he wants to, wants me to go through, I'll, I'll go through them and look at, look at that stuff. If the deer is not there and we haven't been searching for way out long, I'll just start grid searching, doing the, the whole property and making sure it's not around there. Man. So what, what kind of, of time and process does that take? If you're going to try to, you know, grid search, let's say a 150 acre property or something like that. Like, or I, I mean, I imagine it's dependent on terrain and a lot of other stuff. And I know a state like Ohio has got really varied terrain. You can get into some pretty big hills you can also get into some pretty flat land uh so what what does that process look like yeah. for you you're you're on thermal and you're just you know making big passes or how how far or how close is your grid does that, does that make sense how tight is your grid yeah um so 100 acres doesn't take me long i could probably do it 100 acres in 15 minutes so um yeah it, it, the amount of area you can cover uh with a drone is just absolutely mind-blowing um, people and, and nothing to people that have big land. They're like, well, go over here, you know, check in this area. And I'm like, dude, I've already been there. Like it does. It only takes me a couple minutes to look at this big property or this so-called big property that you think is big, but the drone, it's really not that big. Mm. Um, you know, you're, you're at altitude and you're going 30 miles an hour to get from one side of a hundred acre piece to the other only takes a you know few not quite a minute wow wow so that thing is moving yeah. out yeah it, it's wild and, and and that's the thing like for me to talk about it and uh, the listeners listening to this it's like well it sounds cool but when you see it it's like holy smokes this is legit hey guys just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the how to hunt deer podcast is brought to you by tacticam makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers 
They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. <laughs> Man, and that's where, like, I hope folks that, that hear this and kind of learn a little bit about what you do, I hope the, their next move is to go check out some of your videos because it is absolutely incredible. Like, it is, it is wild. So how often are you getting... Uh, distracted, let's say, by other deer on the property? Like, how often do you get up there and you're like, oh, my goodness, there are deer everywhere, and I've got to check each one of these things out? Yeah, so there's definitely there's definitely deer that distract me, but it's like um, after you do it for a while, you can know what to spend your time on, what not to spend your time on, and that's something that, you know, I don't know if you've heard, we're, we're releasing a uh, academy drone deer recovery academy that's going to teach you all this stuff if this is something you guys are wanting to get into um we're going to be teaching it we're also looking for exclusive partners in other states so things are happening so fast that i gotta i gotta build a team because i've had requests to find deer all over the nation yeah man i imagine that that's tough just navigating through uh all the calls and requests that you're getting from states that aren't even close. Yeah. 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 It's kind of, I, and it kind of sucks telling people, well, we don't service that area yet because I would love to go to North Carolina or, you know, Alabama or, or wherever they're putting in their requests. So we're trying to build a team really all over the place. That way when people are putting their requests in, we'll have pilots that can meet their needs. Yeah, and you've got a spot on your website right now if folks are interested where they can go and join the wait list for that, correct? Correct, yep. Okay, and that's uh, dronedeerrecovery.com, online yeah. academy up at the top uh, where you can get on that list. So, man, before we get into uh, a couple more specifics about the actual tracking process, I'm curious about the legal and the ethical uh, kind of gray area that exists there. And I know, you know, I've heard you say you're you're really aware of Ohio's regulations, not necessarily a lot of other states. So I know you're not speaking to, you know, any random state that folks want to, to talk about, but how, how did you start by navigating the legal ramifications for tracking or recovering deer with a drone in Ohio? Yeah. Um, well, I, I didn't just go to the, uh, the wardens, like the, the officers out in the field because, you know, no offense to them, but anything that looks suspicious or might be suspicious, they're going to tell you it's illegal because that's their job. And then let the courts decide yep. um, what is, what is legal and stuff. As far as that, I'm not going to give details of how I done it because if you try to do it, like I did it, if you say one wrong thing um, and you go to the state, then it's like, Oh my gosh, he's already screwed it up for us because we're working on getting into every state. We're sure. going to have attorneys doing that. 
Um, but basically what I can tell you is we're going to have a team of, um, you know, legal advisors that will reach out to these states and get everything uh, hashed out how it needs to be worked out in order for us to operate in, in another state. Yeah. Because if I tell, you know, a guy, well, this is how I did it. And he goes and he tries it. And, um, he, he, he mentions one wrong word or, or he puts the one wrong word in there that could literally screw it up. Yeah, that's really good. And, and what you said there really, um, gave what I was hoping you would give, uh, namely that, you know, for, for what you're doing moving forward with this Academy and other things and building out this team, you're doing the legal legwork behind the scenes to make sure like you're, you're covering your bases where, you know, you're not just trying to throw some folks together and say, all right, let's do it until they stop us. Kind of, uh, kind of a deal. So let's talk now about that kind of the ethical dilemma that, that this could present. How, first of all, how much blowback and flack have you gotten for doing this or have most people been generally supportive? I'd say 90% uh, or 95 are supportive. And then there's like the 5% that are like old, uh, grandpas that are probably pissed at technology and, and how, where things have gone with, um, hunting in general. I mean, it doesn't matter what, what you pick out in the hunting industry right now. We are the farthest, farthest thing from our ancestors that we, we could ever be. So to, um, to the people that, you know, want to go out and build their arrow from a stick and put some flint on the front, like, we're so far from that. So getting upset at this technology, I just don't think it makes sense. Sure. Sure. Well, and man, I, I want to cover too the, the ethical, you know, tightrope, I think that you walk as well during these recoveries because you're finding deer sometimes that are mortally wounded and will die soon. You're finding deer. I'm sure at times that there's a question, like who knows if this thing is going to, if it's going to die or not, like it's kind of tough to tell, how do you handle those situations where, you know, some folks may, may say, Hey, at, at that point, you've got to get away from that deer. You can't, you can't even tell the hunter where it's at because who knows if, if, if the thing's even going to die, like, how do you handle that? Yeah. So those are tough, but you know, now I, since I've done some of the other podcasts, I've gotten feedback from hunters uh, of deer that I've found alive and, you know, how I feel about it right now is I can't tell you what to do with that deer or not because I, I, okay. I found a shoulder shot deer the other day and I told the hunter, I'm like, this deer's not going to die from the shoulder hit. Well, that's not true because that deer did die from that shoulder hit. It didn't die because it was shot through the lungs. It died a painful, painful infection, uh, death. Mm because he found the deer later, uh, weeks later with, um, part of the arrow still in it, just into, into the shoulder. So infection can still kill these deer. You know, what is our role as hunters? If we find the deer and we know that the arrow is still stuck in them, what are the chances of that deer actually making it? I know that there are deer that make it, but the struggle that deer is going to go through to try to recruit, regroup from that. It's like, I can't, I just don't like knowing that a deer is in agonizing pain because it's got some arrow stuck in its shoulder. Uh, yes, there's going to be some that are pull through on it, but 
I can't tell you, Hey, this is shoulder shot. Don't go after it. It's going to live. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your job essentially, when you show up, you're going to say whether the deer is dead or alive or whatever, you locate the day, the deer, Hey, here it is. And you kind of let the hunters make their own decision when it comes yeah, to what I, they're going to do. Yeah, I think it's up to each hunter because, you know, one hunter might feel that, well, we found the deer, but I'm not going to uh, go after it because I know where it's at. But then the next hunter might feel that, you know, this deer is in pain and it's suffering. But here's another thing. Most of my searches are done at night, so you can't go after that deer anyhow if it's alive. Yeah. You can't can't legally go after the deer and try to, um, you know, put another shot in it or whatever. So it's always the following day that somebody might be able to go hunt the deer, but you don't know if it's there or not. I've had them move a hundred to 200 yards away from where they were originally. So going after that deer at that point, I don't think is, you know, if, if you're looking at it on an ethical standpoint, the deer has already had multiple hours to try to, to move from where it was before. Um, but then you go back to the injury side of things. If it's a, if I find it in, in the daytime, let's say I find it in the morning and it's been laying there suffering all night and it's a shoulder shot or it's uh, whatever type of shot you want to talk about. It's the deer is still in pain. So what, you know, what is ethical? Should you try to, you know, kill it. You've already stuck one in them. I don't know. Yeah, that's really good. And I, I think, I, I think there's a good point to be made for the fact that, you know, bringing out a guy with a drone is just part of your due diligence, which is, which is the most eth- ethical thing that you can do for that deer. You got it. I mean, it it is yep, the correct thing. And then you do with the information what, again, you take another step down this road of ethics, right? Like, what is the right thing to do? Because essentially what you described, it's like, man, that's basically a trail camera picture. Like, you tell the guy where the deer yep. was the night before, that's basically a trail camera picture at that point. And we have no issues. Well, yep. most people have no issues with trail cameras uh, and, and their use for hunting. So you've, you've talked a yep. lot or a little bit about the process kind of in pieces I want to bring it all together here in one place to say all right Mike I shot a buck uh walk me through what happens next like I reach out to you you say okay you're in my area I've got the time what happens next yeah I would prefer that people go to my website dronedeerrecovery.com there's a recover my deer step you just click on that and follow the steps um basically it's going to ask you you know when you shot him, what area, how long ago, and then it'll send us an automated text um, to our phone. And then I can get back to you on that text if we're going, you know, if we service that area, when we could be there and this and that. And if it's something that we can do, you'll be able to make payments uh, right on your phone. I'll send you a snippet where you can click and pay online and then we'll come up with a time that I should be able to come out and take a look at it for you. Gotcha. So you, you get the guy, uh, they, they decide to go up with or to go through with it. They're going to have you out. What are some of those questions that you're, that you're asking and what do the answers kind of begin to tell you at this point as you've gotten, you know, a good number of recoveries under your belt? Yeah. So if, I mean, I'm going to ask them all those questions we, you and I just discussed a little bit ago. Uh, and then it's going to, I, I can tell them. And I, I have told people, I, I feel like you're 
your deer is a uh, liver hit. Um, and if it is liver hit, I'll just tell you that, that these are some of the hardest deer to find. Um, they can do, you know, two things, one kind of walk in a circle two walk in a straight line and who knows where the heck they're going to be because if they walk two miles an hour and in one hour, they're two miles away. Uh, but I'm still willing to come out and give you an opportunity to see if, if we can locate this deer, but just know that uh, these are some of the hardest deer to find. Uh, I'll, I'll give them that option um, because I don't want to just make it sound like, yep, I'll find your deer and then take their money and, and then know in the back of my head that I, I won't find it because I, I found liver hit deer. They, you know, it's not like I can't find them, but it's like if they do one or two things, the one thing I can find is that, you know, those two mile an hour type of walk, those are going to be probably not found. But we don't know that until we try. Yeah. So when you show up to a property, what are some of the things that you're beginning to take into account, especially if a guy says, man, he, he took off that way, but after that, I lost him completely, and I have no clue where this deer could be. So when you look at an aerial you know, map of the property, what are some of those areas that you're like, I, I need to make sure to hit here, here, and here, because this is the kind of thing I see deer do once they're hit? Yeah, so I've been asked that before, like, is there a pattern to these types of hits? And I can tell you right now, the, the pattern you see is no pattern. Because there's mm. literally, they, they can do, I mean, I've found gut hit deer down close to creeks. I found gut hit deer on top of hills. Um, people talk all, you know, over the years, it's like, this is kind of where we found them. But why did we find them there? Is that something we just walked across and we're like, you know, and then found the deer by water? Um, you can't give a pattern right now. I've done tons of deer. I'm not releasing how many I've done. I'm going to release it at the end of the season, but there is literally no pattern right now. Um, There might be a majority of them were by water or on top of a hill, but that doesn't tell me that let's say there's uh, 60% of them were by water. Does that mean that the other 40 just never made it there? Did they want water? Did they just not think of doing that? It's like, I think it'll take a lot more data to convince me if there is an actual pattern for a certain type of hit. Yeah. And man, I I think that's really good for guys to keep in mind just as they're, as they're tracking deer on their own, like maybe they're in a state that you don't service yet and they're, they're going to be blood trailing a deer. There are all those old sayings like wounded deer won't go uphill or, or, you know, mortally wounded deer won't go uphill or deer always go towards water or deer always go, you know, into the thickest cover that they can find. I think just knowing that there's not really a pattern, you can't say any of those things, helps people keep an open mind yeah. when they're in their search, you know, rather than, because I know of searches, even personally, that because I believed that, you know, the deer were headed for water or the deer had to be going downhill because it was hit decent, um, caused me to go in the wrong direction for a while. This episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. 
You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. This episode is brought to you by Deer Lab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. Deer Lab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, like deer or turkeys or people. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you forget to correct the time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com now for your free 30-day trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to purchase, you can use the code WISCONSIN, all caps, at checkout for 20% off of any of their plans. I've seen that already in searches. They're like, he had to go this way. This is where he would go. And I would go search that area and then circle back and start doing something else. And they're like well, here he is. He did something I didn't expect. And oftentimes that's, that's what they do. I don't think that deer is, you know, I'm not a biologist yet, but I don't think he's thinking like, I'm going to do this. So the humans get confused of where I went. It's (laughs) just literally no, no pattern. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's good. That's good. So, uh, as you're, as you're thinking through some of these track jobs that you've done, um, you know, to me, it just makes sense. Like if, if I'm in your area before I do, before I grid search, before I call a dog or anything like that, like I'm calling you, um, to try to come take a look because your, your disturbance on a property is so minimal, right? Like you're not bumping Uh, deer, you're not pushing them all over the place. You know, yeah, it, it just makes sense. I mean, yeah, um, probably more money than dogs in my area, but you're going to, ha- you're going to keep a lot more deer on your property. If, if you're not busting them out, I can tell you that. Yeah. And the information that you're, sh- you know, showed, it's like, it's viable even if you don't find the deer. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how long then, uh, you know, if a guy, let's say the deer is 24 hours old and he, he did get in there with some buddies. Maybe he gave it 12 hours to lay, let it lay overnight. They got in there. They searched the next day, couldn't find it. They finally give you a call. Is that too long at that point, 24 hours, 48 hours? Like, what what does that look like? How quickly do they need to get on the phone? No, that, yeah, that, that can still totally be doable. I found one, um, my latest one right now with guessing the death was 33 hours after death, and it had uh, plenty of thermals left. I've looked for some that were, um, more hours than that, but they already had bumped the deer and who knows what the heck happened after the deer there. Um, you know, it, it may have went a mile and then died. I can go a mile with a drone, but usually, usually if you start looking over a thousand yards from where they think the deer is or where they track them, if you're over that, it is just that, a vast area to try to, you know, find the deer at that point. It's probably off your property at that point, anyhow. Um, and to locate it over a thousand yards is tough. Yeah. When it comes to, to deer that have been bumped, uh, in a blood tracking attempt, um, do you notice that you recover a lot fewer of those deer? I would say that there's, yeah, there's less recovery of deer that are bumped. Um, depends on the hit. So if you bump the liver hit deer, that's going to be even harder um, because they can go for a while. But if you bump a gut hit, like a straight gut hit deer, 
probably going to still find that one because it's not like he's going to be like, okay, I'm going to run a mile and then lay down. If you bump a gut, gut hit deer, he's still going to probably end up bedding down in 250, maybe 300 yards. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's say you're trailing a gut hit deer and you jump him. Your best bet is just pull out, have us come in, find the deer, and then you have a coordinate. Just leave it lay there. You know it's going to be in that general area um, and give it time. Just give it as much time as you can and let it expire. But I found a gut hit deer that they just didn't want to didn't want to quit trailing them. They tracked them for 1.2 miles and the deer just kept staying just slightly in front of them, slightly in front of them. Finally, they were like, okay, this is not going to end until who knows where the heck we're at. And so then they got the drone in and they, they felt like he's going to be over in this draw because we jumped him, you know, up on top of this hill. Well, he, he made it farther than they thought we ended up finding deer. Um, so yeah, there's this, each scenario is going to be different. Yeah. I, I've heard you say uh, on another podcast that you're really confident with a gut, gut hit deer. And is that just because they don't want to travel very far? Yeah. Yep. They just don't want to travel. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious. Are there, are there any shots that you get where the guy's like, Hey, this is where I hit the deer. I'm really confident that I hit it here. And you just automatically are like, ah, this is not good. Mm, no, I can't because like you were saying how you like black out when you shoot at a deer. Like I'm trying to still figure this out. There's people that tell me, well, I, I hit him in the, you know, I hit him in the gut and then I, I end up finding the deer and it shot through the neck. It's like, mm. I can't just go off on what you tell me because there is so much going on in your brain as a hunter with this adrenaline um, that you think you may have hit him here or there and it's really completely somewhere else. So I'll take your information that you share me uh, or share with me and yeah, I'll, I'll consider that, but it's not like you tell me you hit him in the liver. I'm still like, well, it's probably, you know, it could be a shoulder hit. I mean, heck I've, I've looked for deer that they're hundred percent convinced. They were so convinced they hit him in the liver that I questioned myself after I left. I was like, I got to find this deer. I went back the next morning to look for it and it's, and it's not there. I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Well, come to find out the deer showed up um, a few days later on their trail camera and he's not even near to the liver. He was um, <laughs> in the front up uh, above the shoulder is where he hit him. It's like, so yeah, I just can't, I mean, I'll take what you tell me I'll listen to you, but that doesn't mean that that's actually how it happened. Yeah, that was going to be one of my next questions was, you know, how reliable do you find the hunter's memory, you know, whenever I they... would say right now, if I would give you a percentage, I would say they're about 50% on where they actually hit them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that's, uh, that's yep. not real great. <laughs> you know, as a hunter, yeah, that's not, no, that's not good. And I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. Like if, when I get, you know, worked up, I have buck fever. If you ask me specific questions, I'll tell you stuff, but I don't honestly hundred percent know if that's how it was or not. Or, or I may have thought that that's how it was. And then later come to find out it wasn't like that. Yeah, man. I, I want to know now. And, uh, 
this is a this is a much bigger conversation. But when it comes to equipment, because you're asking guys like, how heavy is your arrow? Uh, what kind of broadhead are you shooting? Are you noticing any connections mm-hmm. on like the number of good and quick recoveries that you're making? You know, this kind of arrow setup does really well, and this one really struggles. Or what connections are you seeing there? Yeah. So I, when I ask people what, you know, their arrow weight, most people don't know. So I, I can't, the data is all over the place about arrow weight, but mechanical versus fixed, uh, is, is something that I'm seeing, uh, be re- very accurate. Fixed blade, shoulder hits, um, will penetrate. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get vital. Because you can hit a shoulder with a, uh, a fixed blade, and let's say it's a three-blade Montec or something like that, and uh, you hit the shoulder, it might still skip and go high and not actually hit uh, any vital part. Like one of my shoulder hit deer I found the other day. Um, and then mechanicals in the shoulder, I don't know. It, the ones I found, you might as well forget about it. Mm. They're not going to, they're not get into the cavity. And I don't want to tell people that to discourage them or not go buy those types of broadheads. Because what I can tell you is if you have a mechanical, a big mechanical and you shoot them in the gut, I can guarantee you that that deer is going to be a lot closer to where you hit him than it, it would be if you shoot a, you know, a two blade, uh, fixed blade through the gut. There's just not enough. There's not as much cutting going on. And, uh, when it goes through the gut, they go farther with a, a smaller broadhead like that. Yeah. And that's, that's something I think guys just kind of need to know their own tendencies. So for me, you know, bow hunted for a long time, shot a lot of, a lot of deer. And I had this tendency when I was younger, especially to hit deer far back. And it didn't matter what direction the deer was facing. I was going to, I was going to hit it too far back. And I think I was just afraid of hitting the shoulder with a bow. Um, and mm-hmm. so I would always hit them far back. So I used big expandables for a long time just because of that. Cause I knew like, I'm most likely not going to hit that shoulder blade. I'm going to hit, mm-hmm. if I make a mistake, it's far back. And so yeah. you know, knowing your own tendencies when it comes to the mistakes that you typically make, if you can track that. Yeah. You, know, you can make a good decision yeah. on your broadhead. Yeah, you got it. That That is about as, as good as you can say it. It's like if you feel like you are oftentimes back, get yourself a big cutting mechanical uh, broadhead and, um, you know, shoot that because if you hit the gut with that, it's still going to be good. If it's a smaller two-blade fix um, and you're sh- shooting back, I don't know that I'd recommend doing that, but, I, I'm not giving recommendations on what broadheads to shoot or whatever, but it's like, it's so over the place. We got so much to our disposal. Like we can, you know, we can go to the store and we got what, probably a hundred different broadheads. We can choose what we want to shoot. It's like, you can go on and on on what, what equipment works, what doesn't work, what you, what to use, what not to use. It's like, essentially it's up to each individual. You've learned a lot at this point. What has surprised you about either what deer do after the shot or, you know, people's tracking abilities or, you know, anything like that? Like what, what have you walked away and just scratched your head and said, man, that's not how I thought that was going to go. 
Uh, the biggest thing that surprised me is how quick a deer can die with a big broadhead through the gut. Hmm. Interesting. So how, how, how fast are we talking? Like what's the distance <laughs> you're thinking there? Is it, I mean, have you- 100, 120 yards straight through the gut. Wow. Dead in two hours. Really? That with, with not hitting a, an artery. Like it's just, Strange thing. Also, another one. Big, big, yeah, big mechanical broadhead. Another one through the gut, back, just in front of the you know the back leg. So it'd be like the hip, just in front of there, kind of right in the mid. Um, gut. Let me tell you, smoked him through there. Must have hit you know hit an artery that it's not that artery that's just underneath the spine. I'm not talking about that one. Down farther than that through the gut smoked him through there with a mechanical broadhead must have hit something because the deer didn't go 75, maybe a hundred yards. Wow. But he was like, you know, I hit him in the gut. I, I'm not hundred percent sure. I, I'm going to, you know, I, I'd like to use the drone because I hit him in the gut. Well, the deer didn't even barely go, you know, a hundred yards and I died. Was it because of his big broadhead? Possibly because it opened up big enough and then, there was an artery or something back there that it hit. And again, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not, I don't know exactly the whole anatomy of a deer yet, but I tried figuring out what he could have hit back there. I know there's an artery up high that you can hit, um, that goes back to the main hip, but not if it's down lower. I didn't even know there is some, something back there. Interesting, man, that, that, that is strange. Well, no, so so let's let's uh let's circle around now uh to the uh, drone deer recovery academy that's coming up. Tell me tell me what you can tell me about that as far as like where you're at in that process and uh, what guys can look forward to if this is something that interests them. Yeah, so it's going to be a ten module uh course. So basically, from scratch, like you don't know anything about your licensing, you know, where do you start to even get that? We're going to teach you that. And then it'll, it'll basically be for somebody that knows absolutely nothing about drones and we'll get them into drones, get them legal with their license, teach them uh, everything I know about searches, where to spend your time on, what not to spend your time on, um, and so on. It'll, uh, what it, it, I'll tell, I'll teach you what I know about, um, my branding, my company, but you're going to have to, you know, brand your own company and, uh, more details. I don't have, uh, like bullet points in front of me exactly what it's going to entail. Cause I have a team working on building it for me right now. Very cool. Very cool, man. That's great. So folks want to learn more. They want to see more from you. Where would you send them? Uh, I'd send them to all the social platforms. If you're a YouTube guy, just search uh, Drone Deer Recovery, Facebook, the same thing, Instagram, TikTok. Producing a lot of content, working on a lot more, trying to get edits done and putting them out there because, like you said, it's so interesting once you see it. People want to see more of how I do it. I'm kind of holding back on exactly my whole setup and um, that type of stuff. But if you want to see some really cool uh, game-changing deer recoveries, all social platforms, drone deer recovery, 
and then also our website, uh, com. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on the show today, man. You're doing, you're doing good work. Like this is, this is awesome to see somebody blazing a, a, a pretty new trail, you know, something that is, that is really outside of the box and something that I am really excited about because of the opportunities that I see for what this could do for hunters moving forward. Um, you know, up until now, a dog has kind of been your best bet. And this, I think, opens up a whole, a whole new world of possibilities. So thanks for what you do. And thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at how to hunt deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, Deer Lab, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.